Lieutenant, we've got leading Taliban commanders just over that ridge. Requesting F-35 air support, we might just be able to turn the tide of this 17-year-old war. Over. Request denied, Sergeant. It's raining. Over. Well, it's really just a light drizzle, sir, and we just started taking heavy fire. Over. But the clouds have cleared. Requesting F-35 air support under these new conditions. Over. Negative, Sergeant. It's too windy. This is Sentinel Cast number 83, the show for you. I'm Sam Sachs. I'm Sam Knight. Coming up. A look at how Obama is partially to thank for Kavanaugh because he chose to not look into the Bush administration's crimes. Owen Higgins joins us to discuss his latest piece in The Intercept. Speaking of the Kavanaugh affair, didn't it just give you the feeling that the entire Senate is corrupted to its core? We talk about abolishing the entire institution with Splinter News editor Paul Blessed. Plus, humanity's days are numbered after the latest UN climate change report, so we might have to act soon to throw the fossil fuel industry in the garbage can. We got uh, Owen and Paul on the same show, two veterans of District Sentinel Radio. The boys, the boys are on the show today. (laughs) That'll be good. Good conversations uh, coming up. We'll have a bit more gender balance in the yeah. future. Hopefully, hopefully it'll be slightly less male next week. Next week. In fact, we know it will. All right, all of that coming up. But first, Sam Knight, get your gavel, get the gavel, get the gavel, put it on on the table. Hang on, my earbuds fell out. I got to put them back in. All right, put them, put them in. All right, you ready? It's time. Yeah, I'm ready for guilty or innocent. Courts in session. First on the docket, this should be a relatively easy one. Kanye West. Guilty. Guilty. Next up, hockey. Innocent. You know, I've previously been on the fence here. I've probably on previous shows even declared hockey guilty. But I'm starting to get into it here. Hockey. Innocent. Hockey innocent through the magic of gambling. (laughs) Russian Rockets. So I'm inclined to say guilty because it couldn't take off, but I'm also inclined to say innocent because uh, no one was hurt. I mean, absolutely. No one was hurt. Sure, rocket mishaps happen. Normally people die. No one was hurt in this case. That's kind of cool. Also, Russian Rockets are really the only game in town right <laughs> now. Uh, so I'm going to say Russian Rockets. Innocent. Innocent. Mike Bloomberg. Guilty. Is as easy as the Kanye West one was. <laughs> Mike don't, Bloomberg. You don't guilty. Even, don't even need to weigh in. Guilty. Ruling from the bench. Saudi Arabia. Guilty. Guilty. Another easy one. USA Today. Published uh, Trump op ed here. Guilty. 
Yeah, guilty. I, I mean, I, I think as as a lot of people have pointed out, it's it's normal for uh, politicians to publish op eds, but usually the the fact checking the the standards don't necessarily go out go out the window. There's there's no reason that Trump or that that U.S. that Trump needs to launder his bullshit through USA Today. USA Today just wanted clicks and. Now it's done itself some reputational harm. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, that was going to happen when you decide to publish Donald Trump. Guilty. Guilty. Finally, Chuck Schumer striking a deal to uh, fast track 15 judges. Yeah. The Senate Senate's now closed. Uh, totally guilty. They didn't need to do this. They could have let the campaigning Democrats go home and uh couldn't just one senator object to yes, this one so senator. the entire fucking caucus should be found guilty here including bernie sanders true however it yes the entire caucus we will uh side rule guilty but chuck schumer especially guilty total failure of leadership he is not equipped to lead his party's caucus right now he's a fucking joke chuck guilty. schumer guilty all right, let's get on with the interview. President Obama might have wanted us to look forward, not backward, when dealing with the crimes of the George W. Bush administration, but the recent Brett Kavanaugh hearings have forced us to look backward, and they show Obama's response to Bush was an even bigger failure than previously thought. Owen Higgins wrote about this recently in The Intercept. He joined us to discuss his piece. So the premise of your latest piece for The Intercept is that yet another thing we can say thanks Obama for is Brett Kavanaugh. What's the uh, what's the backstory? Yeah, um, I, I definitely, you know, I don't want to make it sound like uh, I'm saying Brett Kavanaugh is directly Obama's fault. Um, even though I am kind of saying that, I guess. Um, <laughs> I... I I mean, you know, the the point of the piece is to say that if Obama had investigated the crimes of the Bush administration, um, which, you know, I know I I, at least I remember 10 years ago, like I I was hoping that he would. And I know that a lot of other people on the left were as well, um, that, you know, we wouldn't have this situation where Brett Kavanaugh is on the Supreme court because he would have been thoroughly discredited and politically toxic because of his involvement with the, you know, the uh, torture policy, detainee policy. Uh, and you know, that that's not even get into like the circumstances of how he got onto the circuit court in the first place. That's a whole other thing. Um, but yeah, but his decision to just kind of like do nothing on that, um, was one that has had like some serious effects on, I'd say all facets of of our you know political society over the last decade, and this is yet another example of what happens when you don't hold war criminals accountable. I remember this came up during the confirmation hearing. Uh, Democratic senators brought it up when Kavanaugh knew of uh, the torture, pro- as well as his involvement in the uh, warrantless surveillance program as well. Uh, Kavanaugh claimed he heard first heard about these programs in press reports. There's emails that clearly show he was in the loop as these programs were being developed. Uh, pretty good evidence that he lied about this during his confirmation hearings. Do you think that Senate Democrats 
obviously Obama didn't do enough by prosecuting, by not prosecuting, by looking forward and not prosecuting Bush officials. Do you think Senate Democrats did enough in trying to highlight this issue? I guess they were in somewhat of a tough spot, given that there were so many other issues that Kavanaugh potentially lied about uh, from uh, receiving stolen documents when he was in the Bush administration to all the sexual assault allegations as well. Yeah, I mean, there, so, uh, you know, a couple different things to unpack there. Um, I said, you know, the first thing is that of of the documents that have yet to be released in the National Archives, um, although we do now know um, that there are a... Uh, a bunch of of documents. Uh, the Electronic Privacy Information Center filed a lawsuit to find out what was in there. And uh, I'm just going to quote from their statement here. The communication revealed that Kavanaugh sent 11 emails to John Yu, the architect of warrantless wiretapping, 227 emails about surveillance programs in the Patriot Act, and 119 emails concerning uh, what is passenger pro- profiling and fusion centers and the Privacy Act. And so... Even without knowing what's inside of those emails, you know, he, like that, like, I mean, I mean, that's been kind of something that I've been saying um, for a while is that, you know, this guy like, like set aside like all of the horrible, horrible, horrible things that he's alleged to have done to women. Um, this guy shouldn't have been confirmed on the merits of of his uh, involvement and his lies about what he did with the Bush administration. Like full stop. Like it should never have even gotten to this point, where where we had to find out, you know, this horrible stuff from his past is like kind of like um, uh, what what ended up become. I don't want to say that it was brought up because of this, but but it ended up kind of becoming like a last ditch effort to end uh, his candidacy for the uh, for the Supreme Court, even though it ultimately didn't work. But I don't even think he should have gotten to that point in the first place. I mean, to be as far as to be fair, sorry. to be fair, Kavanaugh could have been emailing John Yu to confirm happy hour locations dozens of times. Yeah, I mean that is that is that is definitely true. Um, and I and I'm sure that those two having drinks with those two would would be torture of itself. So, <laughs> um, uh, but I was you know I oh, would sorry. say though about about yeah I would say about Senate Democrats though that um. I think that we should make a distinction between Senate Democrats and, and the uh, Judiciary Committee because even though you could say a lot of things about the Judiciary Committee that they screwed up or they got wrong, um, you know, Feinstein, Leahy, you know, these guys, they already know him. They, know, they, they knew him from years ago. They know him now. Um, they did go after him on this stuff. It's just that the press didn't give a shit and because the press didn't care or, or, you know, in general, the press didn't really care. And so that just kind of meant that it, it, it just didn't really become part of his of his confirmation hearing. Owen, oh, uh, because this is hell world, there was a subtext uh, to your piece uh, with to me. It said if Democrats look forward, not backward on Trump administration crimes, uh, not only would that be morally wrong, we might also end up. With Stephen Miller on the Supreme Court in twenty years. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a, a real misreading of, of of what I was saying because I definitely wasn't saying if. Um, <laughs> that's it's definitely a when thing. <laughs> um, you know, I, yeah, I don't know, 
I mean, Stephen Miller is such a public figure and so politically toxic. You know, maybe not him, but you know, one of these one of these ghouls. I mean, I know that you guys are like, you know, two of the only people that I know who regularly talk about how horrible Mick Mulvaney is. Mm. You know, yeah, like people don't even think about that because he's kind of considered like like even though everyone knows the Mulvaney is is absolutely evil and horrible in every possible way. The fact that he is kind of a known quantity and people kind of consider his particular type of evil to be within the acceptable bounds of the discourse, they don't really care about what he does, if that makes sense already, right? Yeah. And I think that a lot of these guys, when the administration um, is over, however however it, it ends, um, if it ends, if it ever ends... <laughs> uh, I think that a lot of these guys will will have political futures, and you know what? Even if they don't, they don't care. I mean, th- like they're going to make so much money in the private sector. Yeah, we are, we're already seeing this week how uh, mainstream commentators are falling over themselves to declare how much of a moderate Nikki Haley was. Yeah, and how she was. She's come out of the administration unscathed, as if being in the administration itself does not scathe one permanently they they have this fantasy that she's going to run against trump in 2020 which obviously isn't going to happen she's going to campaign for him but uh yeah she's 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 cashing out for a few years is what she's doing yeah like like the like what new york times like editorial board called her a moderating voice (laughs) what like (laughs) And she, and that's not she told she told the u.n security council that she was taking names on an enemies list Taking names on enemies list, she walked out, stormed of, out, stormed out when when the when the Palestinian uh, delegation member started speaking about the latest wh- whichever one of the tens of slaughters has happened in like the last two years because Israel is even more emboldened under Trump because of Nikki Haley's actions in the Security Council. But even beyond that, uh, anyway. Never mind. I'm not even going to go. I, so, yeah, go. sorry. I didn't, I, I, I didn't, but, but, I didn't but, mean to get but, you sidetracked. I just you already see the looking forward, not backward, because for a lot of these mainstream commentators, they just they want the uh, the beans. The beans have been spilled. They're trying to put the beans back in the bean container, uh, and yeah, that, they just want the status quo ante more than anything. They, that's what they want so bad. They they need to normalize as much of what's happening as they possibly can. Like every single time that one of these articles comes out that shows just how, I mean, how broken Trump's brain is, like how he just is obviously not thinking straight ever, right? Every time one of these articles comes out and these people are thinking, like, you know, or, or not people, but like these uh, institutions are losing their legitimacy, uh, the media has to find some way to possibly. Um, find some like like ray of hope for for leg- uh, legitimizing uh, the U.S. government, and you know someone like Nikki Haley, they can call a moderating voice just because you know she maybe said publicly that she disagreed with Trump on like one or two things. By the way, like same day that she resigned, or or a day before, w- within the twenty four hours of her giving her resignation letter. We found out that like a couple hundred kids who have been ripped from their 
families are not going to be reunited with their families and they're going to go up for adoption. And nobody like makes the connection between these two things. They're like, hey, she's part of this administration. This is who she is. But no, they don't care. Yeah. If you look around, you really do see uh, alumni of the illegal torture and the illegal surveillance programs under the Bush administration. They're everywhere. Kavanaugh's on the Supreme Court. Gina Haspel heads the CIA. Brennan used to lead the CIA. Now he's a resistance hero on MSNBC. Uh, George W. Bush, he's, uh, he's uh, adored by liberals now. Um, you described the decision not to hold these people accountable as one of the defining moments of the 21st century. I mean, given how powerful these figures are, I'd, I don't think you're exaggerating. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, 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 I said that it, it may, you know, it may end up being one of the defining moments. I think, I think that it is the defining moment of, I, I think that the torture program, the, the post 9-11 security state abuse, invasion of Iraq, uh, detainee torture policy, march towards this American style fascism. Okay. So all of that stuff, I think, I think all of that is part of this defining moment of the 21st century. I think the fact that they weren't held accountable, yes. And maybe one of the defining moments as well. So, uh, you know, one thing that I've seen um, from uh, from my my, my dear f- fans in the uh, centrist Democrat community who love everything that I write and always have lots of compliments for it, um, saying is that they that I, I saw one person saying that um, that because the Senate, uh, I think it was the Judiciary Committee, actually, like, looked into torture, um, that that showed that the uh, the Democrats did a good job on this. And as you said, who, who, who's like a resistance hero now? Who has, like, a fellowship at Fordham University? John Brennan. Obama's uh, head of the CIA, who also worked on the torture... Um, worked on torture under Bush and under his direction the CIA hacked Senate Democrat computers to find out what they were finding out about torture so like it, 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 the whole thing is like like it, it's just this one like endless like like the institution is just built the, the, the executive institution is just built in a way that means that there's never going to be any accountability for anybody and that's depressing, but it is what it is. Well, as we started the segment, we'll finish it. Thanks, Obama, for that. Uh, Owen Higgins, the title holder for most appearances on District Sentinel Radio. Follow him, that's right. Follow him on Twitter at Owen Higgins, E-O-I-N-H-I-G-G-I-N-S underscore. And uh, support his Patreon, patreon.com slash Owen Higgins. Anything I left yeah, off? possible. Yeah, possible that there is some changes coming to that latter one, um, talking to a radio station out here about possibly putting together uh, some kind of radio show, and you guys will be some of the first to know. Holy shit, that's, that's breaking yeah. news. That's awesome. exciting, Owen. We'll see what happens. Cool we'll shit. see what happens. But good luck. Definitely possible. We need more good right. people with, with platforms like that. Exactly. Th- thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, thanks, Cheers. Owen. And we're back, and the show goes on. 
We just talked with Owen about the whole Kavanaugh stuff and how it's in part an indictment of the Obama administration. It's also an indictment on the entire dang Senate, an institution that is finding it more and more difficult to disguise just how awful it is. Maybe it's time to just abolish it. We talked about that with Paul Blessed, the news editor at Splinter News. Paul, what inspired your attack on the Senate and Sir... Sir, have you no respect for norms, sir? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the the thing that sort of got me, uh, or I mean, I'm always interested in shitting on the Senate. Uh, it just it sucks overall. Um, but there was a Rich Lowry column uh, for the New York Post earlier this week um, where he basically said, you know, these crazy libs are just attacking our institutions. Uh, like the Senate just because they can't win and it's just, it's bullshit. And I, you know, I just, this is, this is sort of like a monthly thing for me now where I, I sort of slip these, you know, the Senate was a, a mistake <laughs> into a lot of these pieces that I write about the Senate. Um, so I just decided to, you know, go in all in and focus on this one. Was it uh, just Mr. Lowry's column or did the whole Kavanaugh debacle push you there too? Well, yeah, I mean, the Kavanaugh thing is is definitely I mean, that was sort of the impetus for his piece. But, yeah, the, Ka- the Kavanaugh thing is just I mean, the Senate's only only part of this problem. The, pro- the real problem is the Constitution and how outdated it is and how just not equipped it is to handle, uh, you know, this country that is is gigantic and, and so much more technologically developed and and is not, you know, run by slave owners anymore, even though, you know, the people who do run this country would, would probably rather it be like that. Um, but you know, there's this, uh, it's just one of the, you know, many things that is, I mean, the electoral college is, is obviously up there as well. Um, but this Kavanaugh thing, you know, this is a president who was not elected by, you know, the majority of people in this country. Uh, he was the second place finisher in the popular vote. Uh, got this guy on the Supreme Court that nobody wanted. I mean, his his disapproval was something like fifty one percent in the in the last poll that I saw. Um, you know, and the people who put him there only represent a minority of people in this country. And I think that that's just it, at a certain point. I mean, I think that it's really radicalizing radicalizing a lot of liberals who who see this and they're starting to finally realize. You know, this is this is not the way that. A, de- a democracy is supposed to work. And I think the Senate is, is a big part of that. And I think the bigger problem with the Senate is that, you know, obviously it's not going to change the, you know, the fundamental makeup of, of how it works, but the people who are in the Senate are just so goddamn insufferable about it. I mean, you know, when you were watching hearings, I mean, Cory Booker was, you know, trying to say good things, but he always followed it up with, you know, this, you know, my, my good friend, you know, my mentor, Chuck Grassley and like all this other shit. And it's just like, come on, man. Like nobody believes that you guys are like best friends and like just grabbing beers. Like after, after these Senate debates, I mean, you it just say you hate the guy. I mean, it's, it, it really just comes down to that. And, and for some reason the Senate just has it, you know, the people who are in the Senate are just so much worse about it than they are in the house. My, uh, my favorite thing about the uh, right wing defense of the Senate, I think, I, I guess I don't know if Lowry, excuse me, if Lowry said it in his piece, but uh, the the the, uh, the the thrust of the argument is basically that well, the founding fathers 
created the Senate, and uh, therefore, why would you ever uh, correct anything the Founding Fathers created? Uh, they didn't elect senators directly until 1913. Yeah, and nor, uh, nor as Paul points out in his piece, did the Founders uh, foresee, as Lowry makes the argument, uh, protecting flyover country. Uh, no planes, <laughs> no Midwestern states at the time. Yeah, uh, I think Lowry said something in his piece that was like, you know, originally they only, you know, they weren't directly elected. And it was like, well, up until, you know, the early 1900s, they weren't directly elected. I mean, this is an institution that for most of its history has not been democratic in any way whatsoever. Um, And I think that a lot of I mean, I think a lot of the problems with the Senate are, are based on that. I mean, the filibuster is obviously the one thing that people look at and see, you know, this is this is a way to reform these things that can actually happen without changing, you know, doing a constitutional amendment and trying to, you know, get that through a, three quarters of the states or whatever it is. Um, you know, the, the filibuster is just a, it's fundamentally anti-democratic. And, and one of the things that I, I, you know, cite in the piece is the longest filibuster in history is Strom Thurmond's filibuster of the Civil Rights Act of 1957. And that's like, that right there is just like this is one guy who was just holding up progress, you know, for 24 hours because he was shitting his diaper over the fact that he might have to, you know, share water fountains with black people. And it's that that I think sums up the Senate. You know, it's these like very a very small minority can just like derail everything. And as the Republicans have shown, you know, with this Kavanaugh thing and, and Gorsuch before that. Um, and I mean, even when the Democrats, uh, you know, got rid of the filibuster for lower court appointments and the executive uh, appointments, like there was, it, it just makes sense to do that because I mean, the, the Republicans are really willing to go for it, but you know, we would have a public option right now if the filibuster didn't exist. I mean, Joe Lieberman was able to throw the brakes on that because the Democrats weren't really willing to get rid of the filibuster when they had 58 seats in the, or 59 seats in the Senate. I mean, that is like as much as, as close as you're going to get to a 60 seat majority in the Senate in 28, you know, in the 2000s, that was that was the time. And they were just willing to throw it away because, Joe, I mean, they couldn't it, it was either that or just, you know, get rid of the filibuster. And they decided not to because they, you know, wanted the bipartisan votes and they didn't want to piss off Joe Lieberman. And, you know, that's that's the reason that we don't have a public option. And I think that, you know, the filibuster just has to go overall. And, and yeah, it would definitely hurt in the in the short term when republicans have a senate majority but i think it sort of gets at this you know larger problem that we have by you know having a two-chamber government and you know a a president uh where it's really hard to see and judge a government a government based on what it's doing uh because they're they're always divided i mean there's been very few times in the past you know 25 30 40 years where there's been a unified government. And when there isn't a unified government, you know, the Republicans can just blame the Democrats for obstruction. The Democrats blame the Republicans for obstruction. And nothing is, nobody ever gets a real picture of, of who is is doing the obstructing and who is, is slowing everything down. Um, and, and, you know, how well the government works when the party in power is actually able to do the things that it wants. Um, and, and, you know, there's, it, it just doesn't I mean, it's it's not in any way like the UK system, obviously, where you have a government who, you know, if the government fucks up, everybody knows it and they can say this is where the government fucked up and this is why we need to change. 
So yeah, it's, it's sort of just, it's just a ridiculous way to run a country. Yeah. I, I, I guess the, the counter argument is fear of if you didn't have a Senate, what the house and the legislation that they've passed under Republicans and uh, just how awful it would have been. But as you said, we know who's responsible for it. It's almost like the House Republicans get cover for passing a bunch of bizarre stuff, destructive yeah. stuff, because it never goes anywhere uh, in the Senate. And maybe if you had progressives in power and they were able to actually execute a progressive agenda that didn't end up getting stalled in the Senate, uh, they'd be able to stay in power. Yeah, I think that the, that's the argument. I mean, yeah, there's there's obviously a ton of awful shit that the, that the House Republicans have done. Um, you know, even going back to 2011 when Obama was still president. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it just, it, it's sort of, it, it's one of the many, many contributing factors to the, the reason that I think, you know, all these things are, are very slowly uh, breaking down and we're starting to see the effects of not having a government that's worked in, in so many years. I mean, to do anything except further corporate interests. I mean, it, it it's I mean, you know, like I said, there's no way that you can get rid of the Senate at this point, obviously. But, you know, it's it's still just there's a lot of things that you can do to change the way that it works now that would make it at least a more functioning body and a more democratic body than it is now. Well, well, I mean, I, we've gone over a few of them. I mean, are there things like representative wise that you could do that would I mean, without having to call for a constitutional convention. <laughs> well, I think that it, a part, you know, part of it has to do with the culture uh, of, of the Senate and, and, you know, the, the Chris Coons guys and, you know, all of these other people, or, you know, the Democrats are, are, you know, more susceptible to this, obviously. But this idea that the Senate is sort of this, you know, higher than sort of holier than that body rather than, you know, another branch of, of, of the legislature I think is is also damaging because that's what's holding the Democrats up from doing anything that they want to do when they're, you know, when they're actually in power. I mean, that's what held them up in 2008 and 2009. Um, so I, I think that the filibuster is the main thing that you need to get rid of because, you know, people point at at there was there was a thing that, that Collins it was a petition that Coons and Collins uh, passed around last year that had like 60 Senate 60 senators sign on to it. Uh, saying that we need to restore the filibuster. Um, and then earlier this month, or, or I think it was late last month, Chuck Schumer said that they look at bringing back the 60-vote threshold. And I think that that sort of gets at the root of of one of the other bigger problems and more immediate problems that we have is that the Republicans are willing to do whatever it takes to get their agenda enacted, and the Democrats are just not willing to do that. I mean, why would you, why would you kneecap yourself before you, you got there? And I think that's because the Democrats are sort of obsessed with being the, the party of civility now, or at least a lot of the Democrats in the Senate are. And I think that just being in the Senate exa exacerbates that for people like Chris Coons and, and uh, you know, Cory Booker and, and all these other people that just, you know, don't, fundam don't fundamentally get what they're up against when it comes to the Republican Party. I mean, living in North Carolina, I've seen how ruthless the Republican Party can get in enacting its agenda. And I don't think the Democratic Party you know, on a national level understands that whatsoever. It's striking that uh, even controlling both houses and the White House and while struggling to get their agenda passed, that 
Republicans in the Senate are reluctant to fully destroy the filibuster because uh, it still applies to legislation. And I think that really speaks to what a uh, what a tool of reaction uh, that, right. that that it yeah. is. A really anti-majoritarian uh, 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 parliamentary procedure that totally fucks us. And I think, uh, I don't know, I think the entire Senate should be abolished because the idea that yeah. fucking Wyoming has as much say <laughs> as uh, Texas or California or New York... Uh, just just drives me bonkers, and it, it it literally is just to preserve the interests. <clears throat> it's really old school in this way because obviously, like banks are where the power lies, but it's it's really to preserve the interest of of landowners. Yeah, the Senate, which is really, yeah, it's just kind of old school. It, it it really is the uh, and, the and it's really chamber. it's really telling that people like Lowry. Uh, the institutions he wants to defend most, the Supreme Court, the Senate, and the Electoral College, are the ones like most removed from, I guess maybe not so the, uh, well, yeah, it is, but they're all most removed from democracy, from yeah, the way yeah. people vote. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you, Sam. I mean, the fact that Wyoming, uh, and even Vermont, you know, for that matter, gets as many votes uh, in the Senate as California is just an insane way to run a country. And I mean, there's the argument that Lowry and other people say that, you know, well, getting rid of the Senate disenfranchises people in Wyoming and, and you know, Vermont. And it, it, it's not like that at all, because the House actually proportionally represents, you know, Wyoming would be proportionally represented in the House or there is proportionally represented in the House relative to how many people actually fucking live there. I mean, there's yeah. there's no. Uh, you know, you're basically just giving you're saying that land should have more rights than people when it comes to the Senate. And especially, you know, they say the trade off is, you know, well, money bills originally originated in the House, but the Senate has to pass those. And the Senate, as we've seen, also has an outsized role in confirming judges uh, and, and confirming these people to a lifetime on the Supreme Court, like Brett Kavanaugh, who was an accused sexual predator. So, I mean, it's it. It really, you know, it, the power is is really wholly in the Senate here when it when it comes to these things, and you know that it, it's it like I said, it's anti democratic. Paul Blessed, Senate hater, writer for Splinter. Uh, any final thoughts here, Paul, on the Senate or life in general? Uh, <laughs> I agree with you. Abolish it. Abolish the whole fucking thing. Right on. Uh, I, I can't wait till uh, 2020 when Democrats are running on the campaign of abolish ICE and abolish the Senate and <laughs> abolish the Pentagon. I'm trying. To, I'm trying to get that one going. We'll we'll, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, Paul, where can people check out your stuff, your latest stuff, your tweets, etc.? Uh, so yeah, uh, SplinterNews.com. Um, we're just Splinter, but. Our, our website splinternews.com and uh i'm on twitter at p blessed p blessed paul blessed thanks so much for joining us thanks paul thanks a lot for having me all right we've reached the end of the week the end of the show one thing left to do interns bring in the garbage can 
Garbage candidate number one, fossil fuel executives. A new UN climate report shows that absent very aggressive actions globally to reduce carbon emissions, we could start seeing serious effects of a warming planet by 2040 and then a rapid descent from there. In my opinion, it's obvious we're already seeing them and we've passed the point of no return. But let's use this report to remind us that there are people walking amongst us who are literally forcing a great extinction, one that may in the end claim our species too. I'm talking about fossil fuel company executives, folks who in some cases knew way back in the 1970s what the end game was, despite the trillions of dollars they were going to make in the interim. There are just 100 companies, a bulk of them fossil fuel companies, that are responsible for 71% of global emissions. It's from the Climate Accountability Institute, a new report. That's absurd. A handful of people killing an entire planet. They probably think they'll have spaceships or mountain bunkers by then. Just be able to leave before things get too bad. Well, bad news. There's no escaping our future climate hellscape when you're locked in the garbage can. It's going to get real hot in there. Garbage candidate number two, the Wall Street Journal. The journal came out in support of a fascist this week. Rupert Murdoch's paper published an editorial praising Jair Bolsonaro, the far-right frontrunner in Brazil's presidential elections. Bolsonaro is known for making homophobic, racist, and misogynistic commentary. He has also praised Brazil's military dictatorship era and has called for the cops and the military to be able to kill Brazilians with impunity. So it's not really surprising that the Wall Street Journal loves this guy. Reading from the editorial, quote, Bolsonaro has attracted support from the middle class by pledging to reduce corruption, crack down on Brazil's rampant crime, and liberate entrepreneurs from government control, end of quote. Bolsonaro is also the frontrunner because Brazil is already under, under a regime that took power through a judicial coup. And the left-wing former president, Lula da Silva, is unable to run because he's in prison on bullshit charges. Polls show Lula would be leading right now if allowed to run. It's not that the journal doesn't know about this. It's just It just doesn't care. Despite all their posturing, financial elites in the U.S. and all over the Western world, really, they despise freedom and democracy, and they love fascists, just love them. And that's why this week, the Wall Street Journal is nominated for the garbage can. Garbage candidate can number three, Brian Kemp. Kemp is the Republican running for governor in Georgia. He's also the Secretary of State of Georgia, which gives him a lot of power over how the election he's running in will be handled because this is the strongest democracy in the world and stuff. And we have things like that going down. Anyways, as you'd expect, Kemp is exploiting his position as Secretary of State to help his election chances against Democrat Stacey Abrams. And he's not even being subtle about it. Kemp is straight up blocking tens of thousands of voters from participating. The AP reported that at Kemp's discretion, the state of Georgia put a hold on 53,000 voter registration applications because they contained minor typos, like a missing letter from what's listed on the applicant's driver's license. And what a surprise, 70% of those who had their registration put on hold are black. Polls show a tight race between Kemp and Abrams, with Kemp up 1%. So this abuse of power might actually lead to him winning. He should resign, be forced out of the race, and then be forced in a garbage can. Maybe the uh, Wall Street Journal should come out in support of Kemp, too. I mean, it's probably only a matter of time before it does. Moving on, garbage candidate number four, Joe Biden. 
If the Kavanaugh hearings didn't remind us enough of Biden's trashiness because of Anita Hill, the ex-VP gave us another reason this week. The National Constitution Center announced that Biden would be giving, quote, this year's Liberty Medal Award to former President George W. Bush and former First Lady Laura W. Bush for their commitment to veterans. So evidently, the former Obama administration number two is revising the line on the Bush administration from look forward, not backward to look backward and also give Bush a medal. It's a good time to remind everyone Biden was a key Democratic supporter of the Iraq war when it was all going down. And if he's dumb enough to run in 2020, that's going to hang like an albatross around his neck. Just like this fucking stupid medal he's going to give George W. Bush. This is also a really good week to nominate Joe Biden for the garbage can. Garbage candidate number five, the New York Times. This week, Nikki Haley announced she would be resigning as U.S. ambassador to the U.N., effective at the end of the year. And the New York Times editorial board wasted no time whitewashing her extremism on the job over the last two years. It published a piece titled, Nikki Haley Will Be Missed. Although it doesn't say who will miss her. That's because she'll be missed by those she served most, Trump and extremist regimes around the world, like the Saudis and the Israelis. This is the same UN ambassador that proclaimed she was keeping an enemies list at the Security Council. She pulled the U.S. out of the climate agreement as we lurched toward global chaos. Who will she be missed by? Only the worst fucking people, which probably does include the New York Times editorial board, which is today nominated for the garbage can. Finally, garbage candidate number six, the F-35, the world's most advanced boondoggle was grounded yesterday by the Pentagon. This came after it was determined that a technical problem was responsible for a crash last month. Look, not only is it disgusting we have spent more than a trillion dollars on a fighter jet, as we noted on yesterday's show, this flying piece of shit doesn't even work. We might be tempted to call the F-35 a comrade for undermining the Pentagon's legitimacy and wasting the U.S. military's money, but it's clearly too much of a drain on our society, so the F-35 is nominated for the garbage can this week. Hopefully we can pack it with Northern Virginia military contractors before flying it in there. <laughs> All right, we've got the F-35, we've got the New York Times, we've got Joe Biden, we've got Brian Kemp, we've got fossil fuel executives, we've got the Wall Street Journal. The votes have been counted. Not even close. Joe Biden. Oh, wait. Oh, no. That's not Biden. Okay. No, it's not Biden. I, I wish, but uh, I'm pretty happy with the results here. Fossil, Fossil fuel, fuel executives, you are going in the garbage can. Oh, no. Oh, it's being doused with uh, crude oil and refined gasoline. And oh, oh, God. Oh, don't don't put out that cigarette there. Oh, oh, God, oh. <laughs> That is the show. Thank you, patrons, for your support. Thank you to our sponsors, the Congressional Dish podcast hosted by Jen Briney. Find it at congressionaldish.com. Another sponsor, levelnews.org. We are back next week. We're in D.C., so you don't have to be.